We have been sharing since uh, the first of the year, the book of Mark. Uh, We just got to the second chapter. Of course, we've been in other parts of it, but mainly to the second chapter of the book of Mark. And I just briefly want to mention to you about the book of Mark. The book of Mark, of course, was written by Mark. And uh, it was written to the Gentiles, mainly. In other words, the Gentiles were people outside of the rank and file of the, quote, blessings of God. And uh, the gospel of Mark was to make the good news accessible to those who were not insiders. And the reason I chose this book, one of the reasons I chose this book for this year is the fact that I believe that God has called in the church, you and I, moms, dads, young people, high school students, college students, all of us, to preach the gospel, teach the gospel, witness the gospel, tell about the gospel outside of the church. It's like sitting down at Starbucks and enjoying a cup of coffee or hot tea or something and and sharing what God is doing in your life to someone else. It's like being on a college campus when you get time and you're able to uh, tell someone about Jesus. It's like uh, sitting in the break room at a job and telling a coworker about what Jesus has done in your life. My wife got excited this week because uh, God spoke last week, last Sunday, and uh, concerning the healing of, of bodies. In fact, do you feel like telling that? Is it okay if you tell it? Do you rather, you rather not? Is it okay? Uh, let me get you a microphone. I'll get you a microphone. But it's, so, it's, it's wonderful to tell what God is doing in your life. This is the red-blue one here. Uh, was anyone else healed last week, last Sunday, during the service, that you definitely were healed last week. Anyone? Okay. I want you to listen. I had been having back trouble for about four weeks. I'd gone on a trip to Chicago, traveling in the plane, sitting in airports, sitting in church last Sunday. I felt like I was irritating everybody around me because I was wiggling and could not be comfortable. So I'd been suffering for quite a while in my back. And my little therapist has been sick, so I was just toughing through it. (laughs) You know, I guess I've learned to depend on my therapist and not the Lord. But anyway, so when he proclaimed the word of the Lord that there was someone being healed, I said, I received my healing. And I was standing right here. And then he said, well, check and see if you're healed. Well, when I started trying to move my back, you know how when you have back trouble that it feels like it's so tight. Well, I couldn't tell for sure if I was healed or not because those muscles were so tight in my back and I could feel it. And I thought, but I really believe I was healed. So we got in the car and started home. I said, Don, I believe God healed my back this morning. Got up Monday morning. I said, you know, no struggling to get up out of the bed. I said, I believe God healed my back. Tuesday morning, I said, God healed my back on Sunday. (laughs) And I was walking through the house and I was just praising the Lord. He'd left to go pray with the dorm ministers in prayer. And I was there by myself. And I was just walking to the house and praising the Lord. And the Lord spoke and said, tell him. 
that I put those creative words of miracle working power in his mouth and tell him to speak it to that church. Linda, this words of power is your healing today. This is for Linda. She's here with her back, but it's encouragement to you, Linda, that God's going to heal you today. And then I was doing my Bible study on Wednesday morning and the Holy Spirit gave me a verse in Jeremiah and I shared it with Pastor Don and it said, your words are going to be like fire in your mouth. Amen. God's been good to me this week. Praise God. So Mark was written to not just tell the Jews about the good news of Jesus Christ, but to tell other people. And that's been my desire. That's been sort of the theme in my heart this year is that this church and we as individual uh, believers will go outside of this church and tell other people about Jesus Christ. So today we're still in Mark and we're in the second chapter of the book of Mark. And if you will, I want to read uh, uh, 12 verses of scripture. And it's found in the second chapter of the book of Mark, beginning with verse 1. <clears throat> and again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was her that he was in the house. I like that. He was in the house. Now, some believe it was Peter's house. Jesus did not own a home. He stayed with others. And uh, my wife and I had the privilege of, of being there at that house where Jesus Christ was and word got out and it was heard that he was in the house immediately many many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive him not even near the door and he preached the word to them period then they came to him bringing a paralytic to who was carried by four men and when they could not come near him because of the crowd, I want you to notice that they could, because of this paralytic man, they could not, man with the palsy, they could not get this man to Jesus Christ. It was impossible. How many of you know God's a God of the impossible? He's a God of the impossible. They could not. Keep that in mind. They couldn't. It was impossible for them to get to where Jesus was. They uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic or lytic was laying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived, look at that word. When Jesus perceived in his spirit, they hadn't said a word, he read their minds. That they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say that you may know that the Son of Man has, uh, I'm sorry, your sense of Son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up his bed, and went out in the, the presence of them all, 
so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Father, add your blessings to the reading of your word. Speak to our hearts. Reveal your truth to us. Give us open minds and receiving hearts. And Lord, as the seed of your word falls into our hearts, may it bring forth much fruit. In Christ's name, we pray. Now, if you do not have an outline of the sermon, please raise your hand. I want everyone to have an outline. Just lift your hand. Okay, we have several that do not have an outline. Okay, there you go. I want you to read the introduction with me. Palsy is a medical term for which refers which refers to various types of paralysis, often accompanied by weakness, notice notice the symptoms, and the loss of feeling and uncontrolled body movements. This particular man was brought to Jesus by believing friends, and Christ answered their faith by not only healing the man, but forgiving him of his sins. These four men are carrying more truth than we might think. I wrote down three things, each one starting with P, and watch it as we go through them. Christ, first of all, was present. Now, when Christ is in the house, there's drawing power. I want to ask you something today. This is our house, our heart. The heart is like a house. It's Christ in your heart. You say, I go to church. I have faith. Even might pay tithes. But is Jesus Christ living in your heart? John chapter 12, verse 32 says, And if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. In other words, God is saying, the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, you lift me up and I will draw. You might say we need the lights and they're good. I love the lights. We might, we, we might need a beautiful building. I think that is important. Keep it clean. Keep it inviting. We might need a band. We might need someone that has a name. But I'm here to tell you, if Jesus Christ is in the house, if Jesus Christ is present, he will draw people to him. The greatest thing that could happen in any church is for word to get out that Jesus Christ is in the house. He will attract people. Amen? I love that. The word got out that Jesus was in the house. Now, we have just gotten a new logo and uh, most of you have seen that. And what we've done, we've had some decal made with this logo on it and the church name on it. And we're going to, between now and January, especially next March, we're going to flood Durham with the name Bethel and that logo. And we already have some stickers to go on your uh, car windshield or, or back a glass, and we'd like for everyone to put uh, one of those on your car. We're going to get a billboard, and uh, we're going to put it on the billboard. Listen, we need to get the word out that Jesus is in the house. We need to tell people 
that Jesus is in the house, and we need to invite them to the house of the Lord. I notice number three under number one. Anyone can draw a crowd. Wrestlers can draw. I've never seen so many people go to wrestling. You ever, just thousands and tens of thousands of people. Bands can draw people. A lot, of, a lot of preachers can draw a lot of people. But anyone can draw a crowd. It's what you do with the crowd that makes the difference. You're here today. It's what we do while we're here that makes a difference. If we come, listen, just sit, not respond, we can go out the same way that we came. So anyone can draw a crowd. It's what we do with the crowd when the crowd gets there. When Jesus is present, there is power to heal. I love Luke five seventeen. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. Notice this. And what? The power of the Lord was present to heal them. God's presence is here in this place today. Sister Carol was healed last week. We've seen healings after healings take place. It's important that we understand it takes the healing power of God to be manifested for an individual to be healed. Faith in the Lord and that individual will be healed. Number five, he preached the word. He didn't have, a, he didn't have music. He didn't have this beautiful praise team. He didn't have a, a name person to come. He didn't have, as I said a while ago, all the lights flashing and all the things that we see today, which is fine. But Jesus Christ was in the house and he did one thing. He preached the word. God's asking, God's commanding, God's calling you and I to preach the word of God. Amen. The exercise of miraculous power was subordinate to the teaching ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Word of God needs to be preached. That verse that Carol mentioned this morning, Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 14, listen at it. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, because you speak this word, behold, I will make my words in your mouth, what? Fire. God grant this, fire, and this people would, and it shall devour them. In other words, God was going to bring judgment upon the nation of Judea and also Israel because of their disobedience and their backsliding. So God says, Jeremiah, you speak the word. Your words, because I give them to you, will be fire, the fire of judgment. I I took time to... uh, to copy this with the message. And uh, if ever there were verses or a chapter that was speaking concerning the nation of America, this, this nation, it's here. And I want you to give a listen. I may not read it all, but we'll start. God spoke to Jeremiah in chapter uh, 5, verse 10. Go down the rows of vineyards. This is the message paraphrasing, and rip out the vines, but not all of them leave a few. Prune back those vines, that growth that didn't come from God. 
They've betrayed me over and over again, Judah and Israel both. Verse 12, they've spread lies about God. They've said there's nothing to him. Our society, our culture today has tried to move God from every public place it can. And they're saying there's nothing to this God that you're coming to Sunday morning and worship. There's nothing to him. There's, there's nothing to uh, Jesus Christ and the teaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They spread lies, he said, and said there's nothing to him. And here's what they're saying. Nothing bad will happen to us. Neither famine nor war will come our way. The prophets are all windbags. That's what they're saying to those that preach the gospel. For those that will dare not to compromise, but to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They call me a windbag. Don't do that. That'll hurt my feelings. But we're preaching the gospel. And every man, every woman, every person that preaches the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is what he is saying to them. They speak nothing but nonsense. Therefore, this is what God said to me. Because they have talked this way, they're going to eat those words. Watch now. I'm putting my words of fire in your mouth. Amen? This is what he's doing. And the people are a pile of kindling ready to go up in flames. Attention! I'm bringing a far-off nation against you, O house of Israel, a solid nation, an ancient nation. And what God was saying to Judah and saying to Israel at that time, the nation of Babylon, or Babylon rather, the Assyrians are going to come down and going to capture Judah and take the people of Israel and Judah into captivity. I'm not sure that America's not ripe for a nation to come down and capture us. Can you imagine what would happen if China would call back in all that we owe her? Not, not millions, not billions, but trillions of dollars. Can you imagine sitting around talking to the nation of Iran concerning the atomic bomb? And you say, oh, it's all settled. Uh-huh. You can believe that if you want to. They've never kept their word. Never. And God says here, a, a nation, a solid nation, an ancient nation, a nation that speaks another language. Can't even understand them. Now, I'm not talking about just... Uh, we speak English and they speak what? What does the Iranians speak? I don't know. Whatever they speak. We can't, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about we don't speak. We're not on the same page. It's a, it's a whole different world. A nation that speaks uh, another language. You won't understand a word they say. Why they aim their arrows. You're as good as dead. They're a nation of real fighters. America's lost the will to fight and stand up. Now, don't get mad at me. I know I'm a little hawkish. You may be dovish, and that's okay. But this says it's a nation 
of real fighters. They'll clean you out of house and home, rob you of your crops and children alike. They'll feast on your sheep and cattle, strip your vines and fig trees, and the fortress that made you feel so safe leveled with a stroke of the sword. Now, I'm not pessimistic. I don't, I don't mean to be that this morning. But I want us to know, if any of these nations are able to build an atomic bomb, they'll wipe out Israel with one stroke of a sword, or try to. They'll never do it. Keep in mind, they won't do that. This is typical of where we are today. Even then, as bad as it will be, now love this, it will not be the end of the world for you. And when people ask, why did our God do this, do all this to us? You must say to them, it's tit for tat. Just as you left me and served foreign gods in your own country, so now you must serve foreigners in their own country. Tell the house of Jacob this. Put out this bulletin in Judea. Listen to this. You scattered brains, airheads. I didn't say that. He said it. Eugene Peterson. I'll stop there. But what we're saying is this. Though there's fallacy and there, 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 though there are lies by men and people that are not called of God, God is saying my people, like Jeremiah, is going to speak my word and it's going to be like fire. And it's going to consume with judgment. So we, we notice that first of all, that Jesus was present. And when he was, while he was there, he preached the word of God. He preached the word of God. Let's notice also the four men were persistent. Rick Walston said this, they possess certain qualities to accomplish their task. Now, Jesus was in the house. There was a crowd of people there. They could not get anyone else in the door and in the window. I remember when Brother Morris and I were in Nicaragua. We were at one of the uh, uh, out uh, villages. And this one building, they, you would let the windows down. You'd let a flap down and... You could stand outside of the building and you could not get anyone else in the building. You could not get anyone else in the door and people were gathered outside as deep as you could see them to hear the word of God. No one else. Well, this is the way it was in Peter's house. The four men brought this man that was afflicted and they looked and they tried to get him in and there was no way to get him in. First of all, they possess the quality of agreement. They must be generally agreed upon this as how to accomplish their goal. If you want to accomplish anything from God, for God today, doesn't matter what department, doesn't matter who we are, we must become in agreement in order to be victorious. Second of all, they had a common call, cause. What is your goal for the church? What is your goal for your family? What is your goal for your ministry? They had a common cause. Uh, I want to ask you this. Is it for others 
or is it self-serving? Our goal today should be to reach out to the lost and the unsaved. Not only was, was there agreement and a common cause, but there was coordination. Now, this was, on a, this was on a mat. It was like a folding quilt. Can you imagine if one of the guys let down one of his end? Can you imagine them trying to carry that? They had to all four be coordinated in order to get this man to Jesus Christ. And unless we as a church, unless we as ministries are coordinated, work together, work as one. That's the reason the early church was so successful. It's because they were unified in the efforts that they put forth. Not only that, but there was determination. There was no room. And the devil will tell you, if you want to receive from God and you try to do something and you look and you say, it's impossible. It's impossible for God to heal. It's impossible for my loved one to be saved. I've been witnessing to him and trying to get her to come to church, but it seems like it's impossible. There is no impossibilities when it comes to Jesus Christ. They were determined. Don't give up. Don't stop believing. Praise God. Believe God. Most of you know what happened to my son, our son, Neil. Let me tell you what we did yesterday. We took him out, and we put him in the car, and we went to South Point and got a Chick-fil-A sandwich and got him a milkshake. God's good. He's supposed to be dead. It's impossible. There is no way that this can happen. When the devil tells you that, realize and understand we're going to stand on God's word and be determined. Now, they were creative. If they couldn't get the man to Jesus, what are they going to do? They go down, they go on the side of the house, and usually those houses then had stairs up on the roof because that's where they would sit a lot of times. And these roofs were solid. They were flat. They were not flimsy, flimsy made. And so they go up on the roof and they say, we're going to tear a hole in this roof, let this man down where Jesus is. You know, they, they, one of them could have said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to pay for it. Are you going to pay for it? One of them could have said, you know what? Look who's in there. There were theologians and doctors and men of prestige. I'm not going to do that. We'll look foolish tearing off this roof. Another one could have said, well, if I try to get up on this roof, I'll fall. And I certainly don't want to get hurt. All kind of excuses that they could have used. And the devil will tell you and I, when we go to work for the Lord, when we go to witness for Jesus, well, they don't want to hear me. Or if I go, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I won't be accepted. Or it's going to cost me something. I want, to, I want to stay home and watch television tonight. And I don't know as I want to go to prayer meeting. It's going to take a sacrifice. The devil will tell you and give you every kind of excuse. But these men did not accept the excuses that, that the enemy tried to place in front of them. They were determined. They were creative. So, well, that was destructive, tearing up a man's roof. They took responsibility. 
Someone says, that's the preacher's job to do all the visiting. That's the preacher's job to do all this praying. No, every one of us have a responsibility. Every one of us need to be working for Jesus Christ. And then there was the risk as we just went through. Then the anonymity. Their names are never mentioned. Well, I'm not going to do it because I tell you, the Durham Herald, they'll never mention my name. You won't see me on WTVD. They won't tell about me. Listen, it doesn't matter, does it? It just matters if Jesus Christ gets the credit. If he is the one. So first of all, Christ was present. Second of all, the four men were persistent. Be persistent. Don't stop. Don't give up. You're praying for your wife or your husband or your children or your grandchildren. You're praying for your coworker. You're praying for your classmate. Don't give up. Pray on. Believe on. Witness on. And then there was faith proceeding. Something I want you to, that, that's very, two things that I want to mention here. The Bible says that the religious leaders were sitting in that room. Now, you'd think if the crowd was so thick or so many people, wouldn't you think that everybody would stand up as close as they could get to each other? But these religious leaders, they spread out. They were sitting down. They were not standing up trying to let everybody get in. I'm not too sure sometimes that if us believers aren't more hindrance than we are good. Ooh. They wouldn't, they wouldn't give anybody else space. They wouldn't, they wouldn't try and say, let him come on in. They cared about themselves, so they sat down, took up all the space that they wanted to, so they could uh, criticize the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus saw their faith. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. These men were diligent. How did Jesus see their faith? Can you see faith? Can you see can, can he see into their minds? And Jesus saw the results of what they believed. He saw their action. He saw what they did. You know what the Bible says in James? I love this verse. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. James says, show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my You believe it? Act on it. You believe that Jesus saves? Act on it. You believe that Jesus is going to save your loved ones? Act on it. Let him see some action when it comes to our faith in the Lord. He saw their faith. Their faith was seen in the action of bringing the man to Jesus Christ. Most of us know the story of the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says she had suffered for 12 years and continued to grow worse. She went to doctor after doctor after doctor, and she didn't get any better. 
But they said that Jesus was coming through her town, and she said to herself, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Several problems there. First of all, she had suffered for 12 years. She was weak. Second of all, she was not supposed to touch Jesus. Anyone that was sick as she was was not supposed to even touch him. Then there was this crowd that she had to get through. She pressed, the Bible says this, she pressed her way through. In other words, she believed, so she acted. If we really believe what we preach, if we really believe what we teach, then we're going to act upon what? Thus saith the Lord. Amen? Notice also, faith that never manifests itself in action is not the faith which Jesus sees with approval. Let me end this by looking at some lessons. Look at it with me. First of all, there are many who will never reach Jesus unless someone takes them. Billy Graham won't reach them. The preacher won't reach them. You have neighbors. You have friends. You have relatives. The only way that they'll be reached Listen to this. It's interesting, important. Is is by you. Let me say it again. There are many who will never reach Jesus unless someone has a burden and concern and will bring them to Jesus Christ. If there were more bringing believers, there would be more saved sinners. Amen. The four men put feet to their prayers. They what a courageous move to tear off the roof and let that man down. They did not permit difficult circumstances to discourage them. I don't know if they knew the religious leaders were sitting down, taking up all that room. They could have said, you know what? If those guys would stand up and give us more room, we could get in this door. You can look at somebody else and criticize and say, they are keeping me from doing what I want to for Jesus. Don't do that. Don't let circumstances keep you from obeying the Lord. They worked together and dared to do something different. Let that sink in. Because God may want you to do something different in order for so-and-so to be saved. In order for the gospel to get to the unreached. He may call you in a different way. Number six, they were proactive in their resolving to connect with Jesus Christ. Let me read you a verse with the Amplified. It's, it's, it's the same story, but it's recorded in Luke chapter 5 and verse 19. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him with his stretcher through the tiles into the mist in front of Jesus. It's important that we get people where Jesus is. They had to know where Jesus was in that house. I'm closing. Reach over and sort of nudge your neighbor and, and say, he's closing. Don't want you to go to sleep on me. Don't lose this point. Listen at me. Don't lose this point. What if Jesus was here in this house and they took off the roof over yonder? 
What if we want people to get to Jesus and we just take them to a priest and we just take them to church? We've got to get them the knowledge or relate to them the knowledge that you must get to where Jesus is. Not just go to church, not just go through the motion, but you've got to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Get where he is. You go to church, that's the reason we ask you to sometimes to come to the altar. Coming to the altar or going to the altar don't save you, but it gets us out of our little our little rut that we're in. It moves us from, from our doubt and unbelief and our complacency, and it wakes us up to the point, I want to get to where Jesus is. I want to be with him. This is not just about going to the church or knowing the preacher or knowing the songs or paying tithes. It's having, as I say so often, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Get where he is. Now, I believe, and, and listen, don't be offended at what I'm fixing to say. I believe because it's scriptural. Several times in the Bible, Jesus prayed for people by proxy when they were not there. The centurion, for one. Jairus' daughter for one. But very few times that anyone ever received anything from Jesus Christ, but that they got to him. To him. The Syrophoenician woman prayed or talked to Jesus about her daughter, and Jesus healed her. But if you, and I look through, I look through all the miracles of, there are 18 miracles in the book of Mark. I looked through all the miracles of Acts and there was not one miracle that I could find that if it happened, the people got to where Jesus was. It's important. And I believe in giving requests. I believe in, but listen, if I see Joe, if I see Joe that's just haphazardly living a life and Joe says, boy, I'll tell you, I found out I've got cancer. And I want you to pray for me. I'm going to say, hey, Joe, go to church. Now, I know going to church don't save you. I knew when I said this that I'd run into a buzzsaw just about. But this thing of bringing any and everybody, oh, I want you to pray for so-and-so. I want you to pray. Well, let them come to church. Let them get to where Jesus is. Let them have a burden. Let them get concerned. Let them push through the crowd. Let them say, I want this more than anything in the world. Do you really want it? Meet me at church. When I first started pastoring, I got calls all the time from alcoholics. I don't know why, but they just called me. And I'd go to them. I'd, I'd go wherever they were. I'm over here on Cleveland Street, and I want you to come. And I'd get out, and I'd go. It could be raining. It could be cold. It could be like 12 o'clock at night. Most of the time, a drunk wants to talk late at night. It's true. It's just, I, I, I lived it. I'd go get them out from under the, the train track, out from under the trestle and the bridge there where I'd go, I'd go get them all. I just went out and did all kind of things like that. And one night I was sitting over on Cleveland Street next to a cot. 
And this man was drunk. He was so drunk. And I tried to witness to him. That man did more preaching to me and knew more scripture than I did. And I sit there and it was cold and rainy. And I said to myself, my God, it's, have I got to do this, you know? So I, I devised a plan. They'd call me late at night, preacher. Yeah. Would you come over here? I said, yeah. What do you want? Oh, I want, it. I want Jesus. I want it. I said, you really want Jesus? Yes, I do. And I'd say, listen, I'll tell you what you do. You go to sleep. Listen at me. You go to sleep. Call me in the morning at 10 o'clock, and I'll come. You know how many has called me since then? Not one. They don't want help. And these people say, I want you to pray. Well, do you really want it? You really want to get saved? Yes. Do you really want healing? Yes. Well, get to where Jesus is. And I know he's other places besides the church. I know that. But somewhere, we've got to meet the condition to meet Jesus. And whether it's in a hospital, we better meet Jesus. These people met Jesus Christ and God touched their life. They were proactive in their resolve to connect people with Jesus. Look at what it says. Our faith may be effectual in saving others. Pray with me. Father, I know you're in this place today through your Holy Spirit. Your presence is here. Manifest your presence in our hearts. Reveal yourself to us in a powerful way. God, may we exercise faith like these four men did. May we be as determined, not only for our own needs, but for the needs of others. Help us not to give in to the whims and the criticisms of others, the difficulties, but help us to take a stand. Help us to take a stand for our own relationship with you and then help us to take a stand in bringing people to Jesus Christ. Help us to understand, dear God, how important it is to be in agreement with the, early, with, with the church. Help us to understand how important it is for us all to have that one common cause. Help us to understand it's important to be determined. God, I pray that you'd help us to understand it's our responsibility. This is the most important thing in the world. Lord, Buying a house is important. Buying an automobile is important. Getting married is important. Deciding our schooling is important. But God, the most important thing in the world is whether we know your son, Jesus Christ, as our personal Savior. 